How many of you were, um, how many of you were not here last Sunday? Raise your hand. Oh boy. Okay. Go to our YouTube channel after this so your world makes a little more sense. Because uh, I'm going to do like part two of what you didn't hear part one. But I think I can pull it together. All right. Can you guys, um, so I decided this week I'm going to have my beautiful wife do the drawing. So, <laughs> can you guys just bring that up here? I appreciate that. And um, we're going to go for it. So one of the things that God has us in the process of right now, um, we're going to be crammed up here, but we'll make it work. Whatever works for you. So we'll put her up high. She'll be like Vanna White. I think that'll work for the cameras, hopefully. We'll see if that works. I'll stay to the side, though. Cool, cool. Here you go. Cheat sheet. <laughs> One of the things that I believe that the Lord is doing, we talked a little bit about culture last week, and, and we're not going to get too deep into culture because it's, it's kind of hard to do that from a blanket statement, a sermon with a bunch of people. But one of the things that I believe that the Lord is doing is he is, um, he's wanting to, uh, how do I state this? God is wanting to build his church the way that he wants it built. And one of the things that is our responsibility is to ask the questions, what does that look like? How does that work? What does an apostolic church look like? I said this last week, and I just give you one more definition in case you missed it. The word apostle, when we use the word apostolic, apostle, it's a word that Jesus used in the Bible. It was not a Christianese word. It was actually a secular word that Jesus took and he used to express something really important, the ministry of an apostle. So when he took this word, apostle, it came from the, um, the Roman Empire. And when they would go out and they would conquer a new land, they would, right after they conquer new territory, they would send a fleet of ships. The purpose of this fleet of ships is to take culture and take it into the new land and introduce people to culture, to introduce them to the way that the Romans built their roads, to the way that they did schooling, to all the different aspects of their culture. And so when they did that, it was really important that they introduced culture quickly because if they didn't, people would begin to want to revert back to the way they used to do things. Spiritually, it already can make sense to you that if we don't begin to grab onto the culture of heaven, how many know that we'll revert to a different culture? Yeah. How many understand that right now with all of the fear-mongering that's going on in the world, it's a great time to be connected to heaven's culture? Yeah. It's so important. You don't have to live in fear. Yeah. If you're at church this morning, you're probably doing better than most. <laughs> but you don't have to live in fear. And so... Um, one of the things that we're, we've been talking about is this, this new wineskin. And we're going to dig in a little bit deeper this morning, but um, if you could just go ahead and just draw like the house, and we'll dig in from there. I'm not going to draw my house again because everyone made fun of me with my house. And so I'm going to let Tiffany draw the house this morning. <laughs> but um, no pressure. But while she's doing that, I want to talk to you about uh, just a little bit. I'm not a huge teacher, but the Lord has me in this phase right now. So just, uh, just stay with me. Can you do that? Yeah. Okay. So one of the things with structure that we have to understand is that historically that the church has actually, it has went historically through quite a bit of change. Um, for the first hundred years of the church, it was led by apostles. As those apostles died off, and let me just say that not, uh, we would say, uh, I may be giving you too much information, but the original 12 apostles saw Jesus. Yeah. But there were apostles after that, and there still are apostles. Yeah. And I'll show that to you in just a moment. But the original apostles, they saw Jesus. It's important to understand that because you'll read certain descriptions of apostles that will talk about seeing Jesus. And some will teach you that if they didn't see Jesus, they're not an apostle. And that's not true because apostles named other apostles. Yeah. I can go through a list of quite a few of them. And so it's important to understand that for the first hundred years or so of the church, they were led by apostles. And then they, we began to see a shift and the apostles began to die off. And then we began to see bishops coming in. 
And around the year 1500, we began to see that every country had its own uh, form of Christianity. It was when Christianity moved into our country that we began to see, uh, moving from state religions, we began to see a lot of denominations. Anybody seen a few denominations around town? There's a few. Holy cow, if you ever look up just how many denominations, it's just hundreds. And some of them, there's such slight differences, it's like, wow, why do we need to create a new denomination for that? I'm here to tell you that we have to be careful with denominations because denominations can rob us from, if we're not careful, please hear me, there are denominations that do operate in an apostolic um, manner. So don't put everything under the category of denomination is bad. But what denomination has the opportunity to do is that denominations have the opportunity to remove the culture and the model of family. What does that look like? The reason a new Uh, The reason a new denomination is formed Is because somebody has a new understanding Of who Jesus is And they said hey listen I just There's this thing called the Holy Spirit And he actually wants to move in us Uh, That doesn't fit in our denomination And so what happens is Is someone says well if I can't Operate in what the Lord is showing me I'm going to have They typically get pushed out And they start a new denomination Most of the time, that's how our denominations are formed. Some of them are such slight differences that it would be like how they handle their missionaries. Some denominations pay for their missionaries. Some make them raise their own money. If I was to be a missionary, I would find the one that paid for me. That's all I'm saying. And I know who they are, and I pray God does not call me to the mission field because I am a picky eater, and I would offend everyone. Uh, My wife did a lot of missions. She would eat stuff with like, hair on it and I, I would just be like huh? you know like, and they would be so offended and then the gospel would have trouble and we would we would I would have to really show up with signs wonders and miracles because when they come with some meal to make me feel good and I'm like uh. <laughs> so, but uh, I do believe the Lord would give me grace I suppose if he wanted to send me which I know he doesn't um, <laughs> so <laughs> right Jesus <laughs> but anyways So we've seen a lot of change in our country throughout history with churches. But one of the things that we've not seen change in a very long time is the model of the American church. Once denominations came in, we saw a certain model that began to come in. And I'm going to just call it the traditional church because that's really what it is. And it's a a traditional church structure. The traditional church structure is that you have a pastor and he is the head honcho. He's the man. He's your preacher. He's your teacher. He's your apostle. He's your prophet. If he's really gifted, he's your evangelist. He's everything. And people wonder why pastors are so burnt out. Because they're expecting them to be Jesus. Because the only person that's ever carried all five offices was Jesus. And when we expect a pastor to carry all five offices, we're expecting him to be Jesus. And so one of the things that we've gotten a little bit out of alignment is that we all understand about a pastor. Who's the pastor of this church? Rarely does someone come in and say, who's the apostle in this church? Who's the prophet in this church? Who's the teacher in this church? In the American culture, it's almost always, who's the pastor of this church? Interestingly enough, there's only one passage in the whole New Testament that even talks about pastors. One. Yet, that's what we've built upon. Now, Don't take me wrong. We are not diminishing pastors. They're hugely important. I've seen churches that are operating tremendously in the prophetic and no pastors. And what do you end up with? A bunch of craziness. I've seen churches that have teachers. And that's all they have primarily is the lead as a teacher. And there's no pastors. What do you end up with? Lots of talking. And lots of just... Arguments that the people in the congregation don't even have. I, I've, I've heard teachers speak and they're arguing something. And you're like, hey, I, I'm not trying to fight with you. Like, you're arguing yourself up there. <laughs> it's because, like, they're running these things through their head. And an evangelist, evangelists can build huge churches. And so, if you can, um, if you can uh, go ahead and do the fivefold deal over it and start writing in the fivefold stuff. So, let me talk real quick to you about the fivefold. I got to move quickly. So, 
We see, in the, we see in the fivefold, if you have your Bibles, just flip over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, and say amen if you're happy. Okay. All right. <laughs> and there's your evangelist. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> you can usually hear him. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Okay, it says here, really important scripture. It says, so Christ himself, everybody say Christ himself, gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. Everybody, I want you to notice this is really important. When do those, five old, when do those offices stop? Until... We reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. We are not there yet. Yeah. The, I hate to blow your bubble, but the church, of, the church at large has not quite gotten to the point where we are all in the unity of the faith, we are all mature, and we are all in the knowledge of the Son of God. We're not there. I've heard that argument a lot, that we've already hit that point. Mm. You probably, yeah, we'll stop there. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say anything dishonoring. And so we, we have these, these gifts that have been given to us. And so the thing you have to notice about these gifts are made to funnel down into the body of Christ. Yeah. Now, if you were to look at a pretty traditional church structure, and we'll hop up here, you would typically actually cross that off, cross that off, take these three and flip them over. The normal church would probably have the pastor at the top, maybe the evangelist, and then a teacher possibly. That's a little bit more what we're, what we're familiar with. But the scripture says that he gave these different gifts for the equipping of the body. Now, I want you to understand something with the difference of these gifts. Every time I preach on the fivefold, people are like, which one am I? Like, I am not like a shake the eight ball and I can, uh, you know, um, you're a child of God. That's my, it's always my answer. And, um, but how many of you know that if the purpose of the fivefold is to equip the saints, we need saints? But there are fivefold giftings that many people have, but I want you to notice the difference. The gifts that Jesus gave, and, um, and so let's kind of just define that a little bit. These five gifts are the gifts that Jesus gave. Yeah. Here's what he did. At the ascension, he's going up, and he says, okay, here's the deal. I am going to take everything that I carry, and I'm going to break it into five different giftings, and I'm going to disperse it. Why? Because I'm going to make you work together. I'm going to make you guys work together. He says, until you've hit this point, you're not there yet. And so the difference with fivefold giftings, with Jesus' gifts, is that they are anointings, they are offices that somebody operates in. So a apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor, these are actually offices. Here's how I would describe it. Instead of just a gift being given through that person, that person is the gift. I know, I felt like I just shook something in the room. That person is a gift from, the, from Jesus that he's given. They're not better than you. They're not, this, this thing here, a lot of people are so scared of the fivefold ministry because they've seen it done with such an unhealthy uh, power trip involved, you know, of, well, you know, I'm your apostle, so you can just carry my bag and wash my car, and, and if you get high enough, I'll begin to talk to you or whatever. I, I, I've read stories of people, unhealthy movements that they actually would have to, people within the bodies would have to call their apostle if they wanted to buy a new refrigerator. This is not what the Lord intended. If you want to see what the Lord intended, he washed their feet. I believe that the greater authority that you have, you have to have greater authority because you have a greater influence to serve. So he gives these gifts, and these gifts to equip, they're really important. They're really important. Because these are the gifts that come in, and if a church has gotten way off on their, um, their understanding of the Lord, a teacher can come in. And I love when a teacher comes in because I can feel everybody wants to read their Bible now. Yeah. You feel the grace on them. They come in and they teach, and you're like, I can't wait to just open my Bible. Yeah. 
prophets come in and they operate and you're like, oh man, I'm just seeing things. Here you're going to lunch and you're like, waitress comes up. She's like, my name's Jewel. And like, you are a jewel. You know what? The Lord is showing me that you are a jewel in the kingdom and I see this and you're like, oh my goodness. You're like on fire. <laughs> and then evangelist comes through and you know, and you get that love for people. You know, Jewel, do you, do you know how like amazing you are, how loved you are? Oh my goodness, you know? Listen, we give evangelists a hard rap. Evangelists love people so well. They will go out into places that so many of us won't. And they love well. And so we need these five gifts that Jesus gave. But I want to talk to you a little bit more in detail because I've talked about that before. Um, so there's something, so this is a house, right? So this is going to be our, this is going to be our wine skin. Anytime that Jesus begins to move, anytime we're praying for a move of God, throughout time, we have to have a new wineskin. Okay? Now, just for what it's worth, the word new, the word for new wineskin, that word new means something that's never seen before. It's really important to understand that word if you want to do a word study. The word new for new wines is actually like an improvement. It's like if you have a I have a truck. I have a Ford F-150. It's like if I got the 2021 version, that's the new for wine. It's something that already existed, but it's the newer version. But the word new that's used on a new wineskin, that word new means it's never been seen before. Why do you think that apostolic churches get so much heat for when they follow the Lord? Because it's something people have never seen before. And they say, well, if I haven't seen that before, it must not be from God. Because we all know that I know everything that God knows. <laughs> we get really uncomfortable when things are new. And so, but the reality is when he says, you can't just have a old wineskin with a patch put on it. You have to have a new one. He's saying it's not just a new version of the old one. It's new, new. And so we have this house. Let's do the culture. So inside of the house... Inside of Now, I'm doing this in the context of a church because he has me on building the church right now. You can take these principles and put them into your business, your family, all these different areas. But he has me on the house of God. When we're building the house of God, what happens inside that structure is culture. Now, for us to understand how culture works, we have to understand there's more gifts than just the gifts that Jesus gave. Okay, because this is where things begin to get fun. But our culture inside the house of God is defined by our values and they're defined by how we operate in the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. You walk into a church and you can tell they have a value for healing. Everybody prays for you. It's like you walk in, they're like, can I pray for you? I'm gonna pray for you, I'm gonna pray for you. It's like, I can feel the value for healing in this place. They're operating in the gift of healing. You can walk into a place where you can tell that they're valuing edification. So let's start working through the gifts of the Father. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. I'm going really fast because I want to honor the time and I want to get this out there. There's gifts from the Father, and these gifts are listed, and just write it down for the sake of time, but Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, is the gifts that the Father gave to us. Now, remember that Jesus came with what purpose? To reveal the Father, right? Yeah. If the gifts of of the fivefold are operating properly, they're revealing the Father. Because it's what Jesus carried, and he said, I'm going to distribute it, and then what is going to happen? We're all going to begin to see who the Father really is. Here's the thing about when we begin to truly see the Father. When we begin to get these, these gifts that we talk about in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, here's the gifts. I'll just shoot them out at you. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and showing mercy. I want, to, I want you to look at these a little different than a gift, though. I want you to look at them almost like the personality of the Father. Because I don't believe that some people can say, well, you know, I just don't have that gift of showing mercy. You know, I just don't have the gift of giving. These gifts are not something that he picks and chooses who gets them. These gifts are made available to all who come into Christ. 
I know when somebody's been around the Father a lot because in their life, I see they're prophesying, they're serving, they're teaching, they're encouraging, they're giving, they're leading. Not just in here, they're leading outside of here. They are showing mercy. And so when we begin to have these gifts operating in here with values, they almost merge into values. What do I mean? What's our values? Our values, if we're going to be like the Father, our values are to show mercy. They're to serve. They're to encourage. When these things begin happening, the body of Christ begins to get healthy, really healthy. And so that's two sets. There's a third set of gifts, though, that's really important is to understand the gifts from the Holy Spirit. Now, just like the gifts from the Father, I believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are made available to all. Now, it says in the Scripture, if you want to write the Scripture down, as a matter of fact, let's just read this one so you guys know that I'm legal here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Uh, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Pause. What's the purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? To do good. If you're not trying to do good, you're probably a little off. You're way off. I was trying to be nice. You have fallen off the wagon. Like you got to get back up. Now to, to uh, verse 8, now, excuse me, to one there is the gift of the Spirit, the message of, of wisdom. What's that? Words of wisdom. To another, uh, the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Healing by the Spirit. I'm just jumping through the Scripture. Miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, Read this last verse, though. All these work in the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. I'm not a huge fan of how they word this on the end because it makes it sound like only some people get it. Better translations will say that he determines how much they operate in. What's that mean? Some people... Just, just shooting these gifts off. It was healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues, interpretation, words of wisdom. I missed those two. Words of knowledge and faith. I know when I'm around someone that has an extra portion of faith. I've got friends that when they come and they preach here and they walk through that door, I'm like, whoo, I feel like I can do something amazing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's like my goal is to be that guy. Like, I want people, I get around them, and I'm like, I, I can actually do this. Everyone has access to these gifts, but the Lord determines at what different levels you operate in them. Words of wisdom. I have been around certain people that they operate so amazingly in words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And what happens? All of a sudden, I begin to operate at a high level of words of wisdom and words of knowledge. That's called getting to be in the body of Christ. We're connected to each other. <laughs> I have people that come in and they're super prophetic and all of a sudden, I'm like, man, I'm getting word after word after word from the Lord. He's showing me visions. And I'm like thinking, this is amazing. What happened? They brought in an extra portion of that gifting and they're ministering from the overflow of it. And now you're like, oh, this is awesome. So we see that God has put into place. Okay, so Jesus has gifts. The purpose of those, though, are to, the purpose of these gifts are to wake up these gifts. These gifts, it says, are for the equipping and the empowering of the saints. When those gifts show up, those gifts really come alive. And what happens is, is our culture begins to shift. Not because you're just going to class after class after class. You can have the most amazing classes on earth, but nothing is the same as having a prophet come in the room and begin to release and empower. Yeah. 
It's great to have prophetic courses, but they're not the same. And so this is the model. How does the wineskin change, right? The wineskin shifts from time to time. There will be seasons where the Lord wants to do different things with this house. There may be a season where he wants us to begin to really impact community. This house begins to shift. These gifts begin to come into different positions in the house. And why? Because they're moving around to get in alignment that we can do what God's called us to do. These things shift. It's very, it's very practical. From a, from a leadership perspective, we come in and we say, God is calling us to do this. We're going to look at what God has in the house, and we're going to begin to move them around some. I'm telling you right now, we're in a major season of moving things around right now. It's shifting. It's moving. And how many of you know sometimes, oh, it's achy when that happens. But God is moving them because he wants us to be a house. This here doesn't change. For all of time until the Lord, we've come into the fullness of faith. He wants these pouring in. But if you try to build a local house out of this, it won't work very well. Here's the thing. You still with me? Okay. The Apostle Paul, oh, I love first, just read Corinthians, it's so much fun. It was like he came into the Corinth and he's like, okay, you guys got to learn how to do this thing called church because you are messed up. Paul had a way with words. He would put some people in their place, man. But Paul came in and he begins to take you on this journey. I'm going to reflect on chapter 12 right now. He begins to take you on this journey of what does it look like for us to be a church that is moving in an apostolic way. And he says something interesting. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, he actually gives the secret, the secret sauce of what every local church needs. When I began to learn this and it began to like click, I was like, why is this not happening more? The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, and he says this, and he says, now, actually, uh, let's do 27, and now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, healings, helping, guidance, and different kinds of tongues. This is really important. This is super important. The Apostle Paul says, all of these are important for every believer. Every believer needs these happening in their life. These are important for the equipping of the saints. We need these in our life. Go ahead and put those in. But he said, the Apostle Paul said, I'm going to take he basically goes in and he begins to take from all of these the gifts that are necessary to run a healthy local church. And he says, if you want to do this the way that I've designed it, you have to have these specific gifts working. It's really straightforward. He leaves no room with the first three. First apostles, then prophets, then teachers. Let me say this. Um, I'm really careful about titles. I'm really careful about titles. I don't believe in self-acclaimed titles. I do believe that we need titles at times just to describe what we're doing, not to describe who we are. If you feel like your email address has to have your title, double-check your heart. I didn't, I, I didn't mean that as a slap to the face, but genuinely, check your heart. Titles, a matter of fact, Paul even like highly is against titles. They asked, who are you? I'm the least. He's the least that's written most of the New Testament. But he's, I'm the least. Now, titles are important for people to understand functions. And functions, you have to understand, unless they are recognized in that house, 
Just because you have the function of a prophet doesn't mean you're the function of a prophet in that house unless the house sees it. This is really important. I have people come in and they're like, I am a prophet. I'm like, good for you. I don't know you. You won't be prophesying until I know you. Say, well, you don't trust the Lord. No, I do trust the Lord. And I'm cautious of that. You come into culture. Now, there are people that come in and they are spot on. There are people that come in and they've never been here before. And they will come up to me and I'll know in the spirit on them. And they'll come up to me. And I had one gentleman come up to me years ago, give me a piece of paper, said, I see this in your church. I would like to just submit it before you and you take it to the Lord. I hardly ever saw him again after that. The word was phenomenal. I have two or three more prophets come through over the next two or three years that gave me the exact same word. None of them knew each other. They submitted it. I received it when I read it and said, the Holy Spirit is on this. Paul uses a word that's called metron. He said this. He said, the apostles are not apostles over everyone. He said, I am the apostle over the, the, the Gentiles. And he begins to give metrons of different influences. One of the things that I think is greatly confusing in our generation is social media giving people metrons that they are not called to. People, people get a metron that is huge on social media if they just go like everyone and they like them back. And if we're not careful, we begin to read things and we begin to see things and we begin to see prophets and apostles and all these things, we know nothing about them. We know nothing about them. Here's the thing. The Lord gave us an order for how things work. And it's really, really, really important. And I know this can really irritate people, but I'm gonna push you to grow. It's really important that you go through the process. If you believe that God has called you to be one of those, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor. But it's when another reputable, mature office recognizes it on you and they establish it. But I believe at that point, something's happened in the spirit. I meet people all the time. They say, I'm a, I, am a, I am the office of a this. And I say, wow, um, great. But who sent you? Who planted you? You see, you saw something with Apostle Paul. He didn't even just send people. He planted them. I'm still just trying to get people from the idea of having went to being sent. And the Apostle Paul took it a step farther and said, I don't want to just send you out there into nowhere. I want to plant you. And see, something begins to happen when you have what I'm going to call a local church oversight that is apostles, prophets, and, and it may be apostle, prophet, teacher, or teachers, miracle worker, um, healing, helps, administration, tongues. I want to give you another, uh, another word for that, discernment. I want you to imagine what would a, a body of Christ look like, and I'm just presenting it before you, if the oversight wasn't who's your pastor, it's the oversight is this person operating the prophetic, excuse me, apostolic, this person in the prophetic, this person's a teacher. And all these people have been established over a body. You see, that's how the apostle Paul said the church was supposed to work. He said, I'm gonna start a work. I'm gonna establish leadership over it. And the Lord will move me over here and I start something else. Churches get in trouble when they're built on a leader and then the leader starts doing other things, and then the church starts to wobble. I know churches that if I said the names, everyone in the room would know them, but I know people that are on the leadership teams, that these churches began to host tons of conferences and schools, and all of a sudden, the church is actually worldwide known and loved, and the local church is saying, we're not doing so well. Why? Because so often, there's, there's not the proper establishment over it. Now, when these things begin to all operate, 
When we begin to have the fivefold offices pouring down into God's people, and then we begin to see we've got, I, I don't use the word covering because it's been so misused, but I still think it's a, one of the best words I know how to say it. We have a covering of this apostolic team in a sense. It's probably not a good word. This oversight team over a church. And then we begin to have the culture happening. And then God says, hey, uh, gate family, I'm going to begin to use you to do this. And we step back and say, whoa, our structure, our wineskin can't do that. We got to change things up. I remember when I first came in and I first, um, we first started leading the church, it, it grew really fast. Um, people that were here in the beginning were like, ooh, I remember that. It, it, was, it was a lot. And, like we grew from like 35 to 350 within a year. And it just zoomed past what we were ready for. And the Lord began to teach me. He said, you've got to begin to stay ahead of things with the wineskin. Everybody thought <laughs> Noah was crazy building an ark. People are going to think when you begin to build a house for something that is down the road that makes no sense, that's nuts. See, that's where we need some people with the gift of faith. That's where we need people with the prophetic gift. And the body begins to work together. You begin to see things shifting. And what happens is, is we begin to see a healthy church. After that passage on the fivefold in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it goes on and, and has a follow-up verse that's interesting. And so in verse 13, it says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of fullness in Christ. Here's the fruit of this. There's no longer going to be infants tossed back and forth in the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. When someone asks who's the head of the church, it's not me. It's Christ. I am not the head. I don't even want to try to be that. He's the head. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. How does it grow? Love. How does it align the fivefold ministry? The fivefold comes in and the body begins to come together. They begin to align. But then it said, but they grow in love. <laughs> I feel if we're, we're in the process of every way we know how implementing this in this house. Some of it's foreign to us because we don't see it a lot. But we have to be, we have to be a people. There's one more piece to this, and I'll, I'll try to bring it down on this. I can't believe I've gotten through this much this quickly. Some of you are like, this is quick. Yeah, <laughs> this is really quick. <laughs> when this begins to happen, I'm done. If it, you can stay or go or do whatever. Isn't she beautiful? This is my wife. <laughs> if I had written all that, you would not have. I figured I would be staring at the whiteboard the entire sermon if I wrote all that. So, thank you, honey. Um, I believe that I believe that we just read the scripture on what joins us together in the body. 
I believe, though, there's a couple more things that joins our hearts together. Our giftings often will pull us together and we'll know where we fit. But there also has to be a joining of hearts. And I'm just going to give you um, three things about joining our hearts together. You'll notice in a church that's healthy, their hearts are, they're, they're, they're also bound together. One of the things that connects our hearts is worship. I can come together with somebody I have some major disagreements with, and when we both get in the presence of the Lord, we both realize we're just both children. The presence of the Lord, um, the Bible says the hills will melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. I believe that your hearts will also melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. I, I see this picture Years ago, Tiffany, um, we put somehow, I, I think I messed up, and I put some Christmas stuff in the attic that wasn't supposed to go in the attic, and it was a bunch of candles, and so I opened it up, and it was like one mega candle with pieces sticking off everywhere, because they had <laughs> melted into this Mondo candle. <laughs> I see a picture of that happens when we worship. Like, it sounds silly, but I, I see a picture of when we come together and our hearts melt, it's they melt together. The things that are like jabbing at each other, like pointing from our heart, when that melts off, and then they melt, and we just worship, you feel a, a molding together. You don't get that. In, I'm telling you, it doesn't happen in a sermon. Sermons are powerful, but they're not like worship. When you leave a powerful service, you can't explain what happened, but you feel so connected to the people that were with you. You ever felt that way? Service is over. Hey, let's all go out and get something to eat. Why? Because you feel so connected to them right now. Something happened in the spirit realm. The second thing is, is and I know this is probably not what you expect, but it's offering. I have learned something that giving is a big deal for me. Most of you probably work pretty hard for your money. When people give, they're giving and they're directing their heart. People direct their heart through what they often give. I've, I see it often. People will... Um, they'll do something generous financially and you feel them directing their love towards you. I'm not trying to buy you. Maybe someone manipulates it, but they're, they're directing their heart towards you. And it's hard to explain what happens, but it's, it's almost as if you become financial partners in the spirit realm, advancing the kingdom of God that we've joined together. And when you make the decision, you know, I'm going to give my money towards something, and the other person decides, I'm also going to give my money towards that. There's a connecting that happens. I can feel it. And the last thing is unity in trials. Trials are those fun things. <laughs> Don't feel bad. Even Jesus said before the crucifixion when he was praying, Lord, please take this cup. He was not looking forward to the process in front of him. I said last week, sometimes it's hard to serve and love the church that hurts you. That's, that's, that's just, it's not easy. And the enemy will pick off people who their hearts have been opened up and they've been broken off from the molding. And you begin to feel a unity that happens when a people say, I'm, I'm not being pulled apart from you. I'm staying connected. 
and sometimes you feel it <laughs> pulling I, I remember one of the things we do in marital counseling with people is we will take a tissue and say you know come here some people you know in their marriage are like well we just don't want to have a break in connection and oh, oh. well that's you know And you see, they keep breaking in connection. And I'm not going to, for the sake of, I don't want my, I want my pants to stay where they're at. If I took my leather belt off, <laughs> I want my pants to stay exactly where they're at, and I know you do too, so we're going to leave it there. If you were to begin to pull back, and if you were to begin to pull on the connection, if you were to take a leather belt and you were to put it between you and another person and you pulled and they're hanging on, they're not letting go. And they pull on you. I ain't letting go. I see so many people that their connection is a tissue. And they say, well, you know, that's it. Really? You know what happens after you, after you fight back and forth? When you work, when that connection's being pulled on and you like, well, hold on, and you come back this way. and You know what happens when you keep hanging on? Afterwards, you've grown stronger and you've grown deeper in your connection with them. You know what happens is when other things come up, you say, you know what, we made it through stuff like this before. We're good. I have grown up in church, folks. I'm a pastor's kid, if you don't know that. And I've seen a lot of stuff in my life. And I have seen a culture where the, the, the connection is just a piece of paper. I mean, if you do the smallest thing, it's broken. And I, you know, we just did our best to decide up front and, and, and can I just put out my disclaimer we have not figured all this out <laughs> we're by no means perfect but we do our best to say I'm holding on will you and when you do that what happens your hearts get close if you just come to a church for worship and teaching it's exciting but you've got a tissue holding you to the body. But if you come in and say, I'm going to wrestle this thing out, I'm going to go, I'll go through the pain. I'll make those connections. When someone kicks the legs out from underneath you, it will happen. <laughs> you hang on. Your hearts are together. I want you to believe with us. I, I'm, I'm doing my best to lay out what I, the Lord is showing me. I believe that God is getting things in alignment. When Paul said, the fivefold are there for the equipping of the body, two translations, it means two things. One, to mend the net. If there's a hole in your net, you fix it. And two, it means to set a bone, like a chiropractor to adjust a bone. It's cardartismos is the word. It means to adjust a bone. Anybody ever had a bone out, like in your back or your neck? Or, and then they, you know, they fix it, and you're just like, oh, thank God. One of the, <laughs> everyone's like, yeah, actually, now that you say that. I watch, we're going to have a healing service in a moment. I saw all these people like, now that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> the apostle Paul had this thing with using the metaphor of the, of the body of Christ some of your ears some of your you know he's like we all need each other but he also said you need to be in alignment can I just bring clarity on that and I'll release you that word alignment is not about who you're aligned under it's misused often for somebody to try to say you need to come into alignment with me that's not what it means I've heard that, and it's confusing. 
The word alignment doesn't mean you need to align under me. The word alignment means to be in your proper place and functioning as normal. And a chiropractor will tell you, if you get your body in such perfect alignment, it will heal itself. That's what it means when he says the equipping of the saints. It's alignment. All right? Let's stand up. You got the most teacher version of John I've ever given today. So. All right. Thanks, Holy Spirit. If you need a healing in your body right now, we're going to go for it. I felt God say, do it. I saw those people were like, oh, actually, now that you say that. If there's something out in your, like, a, you know, your back or your neck or whatever that might be, I want you right now just to, if you can, lay hands on that area. And in Jesus' name, we speak to every area, even prophetically in the spirit, what's going to happen in this church and in the city and in the churches in this nation of getting into God's alignment. I pray that even like prophetically right now, we would see people's physical bodies begin to get healed. Begin to get healed. Thank you, Jesus. Right now. Right now. Healing. I pray in Jesus' name you feel the fire of God, the heat of God in that area of your, yeah, especially backs and necks. Are you feeling that? Come into alignment right now in Jesus' name. Align. Now. Try to move it. Move it differently. See if it feels differently. Check it out. Just check it out. And if it feels differently, just wave your hand. And we'll wait a moment. Help me know who's getting prayed for. Raise your hand if you're believing for something to happen right now. You guys are the most aligned group of people I've ever met. If none of you... All right. All right. All right. In Jesus' name, I pray over everyone right now that needs alignment in their body in their physical body that, to release healing some of you don't know it um, if you're dealing with anxiety I want you to receive this if you're dealing with chronic headaches this is for you if you're dealing with pain in your legs this is for you lack of sleep this is for you I'm walking you through symptoms you don't know is your body out of order if these things are you I'm releasing this over you right now in Jesus name in Jesus name alignment right now in the name of Jesus. If you, um, here's what we're gonna do. I feel, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna release, but I feel like if you need prayer, I'm gonna have you come up front and we'll have some people lay hands on you. Uh, if you don't, you can, you can leave. So in Jesus' name, I just pray over everyone here this, Lord, this morning, Lord, that you would bless them. And Father, you would bless them. And that, Lord, you would show us, God, the gifts of the Spirit would begin to operate as. Father, right now, I call out the gifts of the Spirit in everyone in this room. I call out the gifts of the Father. In Jesus' name, to come out. And Lord, I pray that you would begin to connect us to where we need to be connected. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, mm.